This is Peter Anderson from BibleMoneyMatters.com. And now, your host, Eric Rosenberg. He'll balance your checkbook, he'll tell you where to invest, and he'll even DJ your wedding. This is the Personal Profitability Podcast. You're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you'll learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast for episode number 16. Today, I am so excited to bring a guest that's uh, a very special person in my life and my wife's life. My wife uh, knows him as Poppy. I know him as Jack Nadell, a superhero entrepreneur. And something kind of a fun tidbit about Jack is he has, I believe, more entrepreneurial and business experience than every guest we've had on this show so far combined. He's been doing this for quite a few decades. So everyone, please give a warm welcome to Jack Nadell, who's here on the line with us. Say hello. <laughs> Well, good morning. So we have uh, a few questions. I know your your entrepreneurial career started quite a long while ago. So uh, let's start back at the beginning. Can you share with everyone how you started out as an entrepreneur? Well, uh, that never really was a question. We have to go back to World War II. Uh, I flew 27 combat missions in the B-29. And uh, uh, the war had ended, and we had decided, uh, uh, I had decided uh, the day I left the service, I was a navigator and radar bombardier, the rank of captain, and uh, I went right into business for myself. and. I don't even think the word entrepreneur was coined then. So <laughs> it's just uh, I, went, I went into business. I felt that the the horizon was bright. Uh, we had just come off this terrible war, but much of the world had been destroyed by bombing and shelling. And uh, I had my own hand in it since I flew all those missions, and uh, uh, they were pretty heavy duty. Ran about 16, 17 hours, 15 to get there and 15 to get back. And the rest of the time spent uh, over Japan uh, fighting off the uh, fighters and uh, trying to avoid the anti-aircraft fire. Uh, we had a lot of casualties, uh, but uh, I emerged all in one piece and without a scratch and ready to go make my way in the world. So what, what year was it when you started your first business when you returned? Uh, the year was 1946. Is that 63 years ago or something? Yeah, just a couple, like a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, so I figure I've been uh, a working entrepreneur for 
70 years. I've uh, started, founded, uh, uh, operated uh, more than a dozen companies in different parts of the world. And I made a very handsome living from it and started uh, without any education whatsoever. I uh, had a high school diploma and uh, there was a very, very, uh, uh, very attractive office for the U.S. government on the GI Bill of Rights where they helped you find a job or a school and paid your tuition. So you couldn't do much better than that. You had your choice of anything and... Uh, I said, I don't want to waste, and I used the word waste loosely at uh, that time because I don't need a four-year education uh, to make a deal. So that's what I did. The day after we uh, was discharged, we started a company that we called Trans-Pacific Traders. We were in the import-export business, and we were ready to do business with anybody that wanted merchandise anywhere in the world. What types of products were you involved with importing and exporting? Was it a specific a specific industry or was it a more wide in general? Well, it was, it was pretty wide. Uh, not having a clue, we went to the Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce where they had a very active foreign trade department. And in it were a lot of inquiries from all over the world. Uh, so uh, everything from uh, consumer merchandise to, to, uh, uh, to basic chemicals. Uh, we had a lot of inquiries for industrial chemicals and particularly uh, things like caustic soda and soda ash. But the first one we responded to was a, an inquiry from China for navy blue woolen material. Now, during the war, they didn't make any navy blue material. They making army uniforms and khaki and those olive drab. So uh, I figured it out. I didn't figure it was a stroke of genius. Why don't I buy the army goods, which is plentiful, and I can get it at a good price, diet navy, and sell it to the Chinese? That was the business plan. That's what I did, and that's what worked. So from there, I know your your largest business that, that I know of was your namesake, Jack Nadell International. Did that business exporting the the navy blue material to China have any linked to that, or was that a separate venture and idea? Well, it was a separate venture and idea, but of course, it was a relative because it gave me a great deal of experience. Don't forget, I had no money. Uh, we were actually involved at that time in hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and uh, now where do you go to finance it? Yeah. And I went to the uh, Union Bank in Los Angeles and went to their foreign trade department. And, and I got very friendly with the head of the department. 
to this day, that was 70 years ago. I remember his name was Leon Helfenberger. And uh, he took me under his wing and he showed me how to do it. And the way we did it is we uh, got what was called an irrevocable letter of credit from the Chinese guaranteeing payment. And the payment would be made by the bank, not by the Chinese importer. Uh, so it was guaranteed as long as the proper documents were provided that uh, we shipped the right merchandise at, at the right time and, and under their instructions. Uh, so with the letter of credit, that was how we collected from them. And I won't go into any boring details, but you get into things like back-to-back letters of credit and one letter of credit uh, acting as uh, a guarantee for the next one. So uh, somehow it was uh, uh, a game, a game of musical chairs, but it came out at the at the end of the day. We uh, uh, sold hundreds of thousands of yards of woolen material to the Chinese, which incidentally I found out long afterwards was the material that they used to manufacture their uniforms. Oh, it all, it all came full circle. <laughs> so from, so, so your uh, some more questions about Jack Nadell International. So for those who are not familiar, this, this company creates all sorts of name branded, um, you know, a lot of things like giveaways you might see at a conference or a trade show all those little squeezy balls and pens with company logos on it. So how did you come up with the idea and see the need for that type of marketing materials? Well, you just said one of the operative words, the need. Uh, One of my models is to find the need and fill it. Uh, You're not big enough or strong enough to create the need. You're not going to build a new industry. And I think it, at this point that this should separate, uh, people often ask me, are entrepreneurs made or can they be trained? And the answer is yes. Uh, it goes both ways. But the ones that don't need the training or what I call the geniuses, the Stephen Jobs and the Bill Gates, who changed an entire industry and an entire, an entire world. So that... Uh, was there the there was an industry that was called specialty advertising and the largest company in it uh, had a slogan was remembrance advertising in other words you give a gift to your clients or your customer or your prospect and uh, hopefully he's going to remember your name and your phone number when it comes to calling you for place and order uh, of course, there's a lot, lot more that, that that goes in between. But I looked at that and after being at it for a couple of years. I realized that I wasn't selling merchandise. I wasn't selling T-shirts or coffee mugs or anything like that with the customer's imprint on it. Uh, I was really selling ideas. It was the promotion. It was the thought behind it. 
It was how it went. So I came, I coined a slogan called Ideas That Mean Business. And that seems to resonate very well. So what I did was I didn't walk in with a bunch of samples or anything. I wanted to find out more about the business and what the problems were and what we could do to make them eat, uh, to, to solve the problems, to increase the business, and to do all the good things that you want to do when you're building a brand new business. Uh, so the transition went from uh, more industrial chemicals on to consumer merchandise. So there were a lot of uh, highlights along that career. And uh, I, I, a lot of historical stuff, you could say, well, what started the, the T-shirt craze? Well, someone decided that there was a picture called out, uh, a picture out there by Steven Spielberg called Jaws. And they were the first big user, believe it or not, of uh, uh, T-shirts that were used to provide for the, for the customers and to show the advertising on the shirt. And uh, we've gone from that to very sophisticated uh, uh, operations. So it's a, it was a question. Uh, I sum it up really quickly by saying, uh, forget the words entrepreneur, uh, business, etc. Uh, I would say I was an opportunist, but for 70 years, I've been an opportunist and I've made a profit every year. That's a great track record to have over all those years. When you, when you first started Jack Nadell International, it was a clear link, as you were saying, to your prior businesses. But did you go out and find that first customer or did they find you? Or did you just have an aha moment one day sitting around thinking, this is the, the next business for me. <laughs> oh, there was no aha moments. They went out and found the customers and we called on them physically. And don't forget, this was long before the computer or email. Uh, and in fact, uh, to get my first samples to China took over three weeks. So the business didn't move with the rapidity that it does today. But uh, we overcame those obstacles and uh, we found that uh, the ideas that we had worked and it resulted if you want to increase your business, get more traffic, get more brand recognition, which is very important, that this is an ideal media that we weren't just competing with other pens or wallets or anything, we were competing for the entire advertising dollar. So as, as the company grew over time, I know you, uh, you made lots of, of savvy decisions along the way. One story that you've shared with me in the past was about when you were getting near selling your company and you had multiple assets there. You had both the building and the company itself. Now, Jack Nadell International's located headquarters was uh, in Los Angeles, where where Jack was living at the time. How did you 
decide, or would you mind sharing that story with us of how you were held onto the building for a little while after you sold the company or as you were selling the company? Be, be, be delighted because for me, that's a, that's confirmed. Say when I was a kid, I was pretty smart. <laughs> it worked very well. We, we, we kept gaining a good reputation in the field and we had a number of major uh, clients and the way we got them uh, was the hard way. Uh, we walked in and out of offices, introduced ourselves, told them what we do and made some suggestions. And over that time and that space and, uh, and having uh, ideas that worked, it was that about that time I came up with my three rules of business. Uh, you know, in basic uh, education, you say reading and writing and arithmetic is the basis for everything. Well, my, my three R's for uh, business is relationships, results, and rewards. That the, uh, that the first thing one must do is establish a relationship so that the potential client says, you know, I'm willing to listen to this because this is being beginning to make sense. So we went, we made the transition and we, uh, we've done many good things. And when I say I'm an opportunist, uh, one thing led to the other. It was uh, natural progression. For example, the most popular product in those days was the ballpoint pen. Now, the ballpoint pen was very new. I don't know whether at the beginning you, you knew in the history of the ballpoint pen, you could not use your pen to sign checks because there was very simply, you could roll your thumb over the way you signed the check and transfer it to another piece of paper, to another document. So banks were not accepting checks that were written with, signed with uh, ballpoint pens. Uh, however, uh, uh, the first ones to overcome that problem was PaperMate, and that's when it became the huge uh, item that it was. So we got into it first as a distributor, then as a manufacturer, then as an exporter, and then we even started to license names, which is a, a, an entire other business. But once more, opportunity knocked. And yet, when opportunity knocks, open the window or the door or wherever it is. How far along into the business were you when you decided it was time to sell Jack Nadell International and start working on other projects? And how, how did you know for you that it was the right time? Well, I didn't, I didn't know as many things have happened. Uh, I had no intention of selling the company. I didn't think of it. Actually, I decided to build a family company uh, where folks could grow into it. And uh, uh, we started with a tiny office in Los Angeles, my wife and I. And... Uh, uh, it was so 
tiny that if a third person walked into the office, one of us had to walk out. <laughs> uh, today, we're very fortunate. Uh, I, I am now, uh, I'm now 91 years old. Uh, and uh, I've long since uh, retired from day-to-day business, which I did at 70. And uh, the business got to be so well-known and we got to be uh, known for our creativity that uh, someone came along and said, we'd like to buy the company. And therein started a whole other process of negotiations. Uh, I always had the idea that I was in business to make money. That was the end of the uh, of the line. That was, that was what you were doing. And uh, at that time, then, there was very popular. Uh, people were selling their companies and taking a capital gain and, uh, and making a great, a great deal of money uh, in the process. So I, I, I said, yes, I'm not, I wasn't looking for a buyer. I wasn't trying to sell the company, but if you have an interest, I'll be delighted to explore it with you, which is what we did. Uh, now also prior to that, uh, I realized that we needed good, uh, headquarters, good, a good office space, good warehouse space, because we did a lot of things. And so I decided to be my own landlord and uh, bought a building to house Jack Nadell International. And uh, it, served, it served quite well. And there, there lies a story that goes with my, one of my other sayings, which is, Never negotiate out of fear and never fear to negotiate. Yes, they want to buy a company. I'll see whether it's worthwhile. Over a period of months, we did negotiate a deal and they did, we did make a deal for a company that was on the New York Stock Exchange to uh, have what was then known, still is, I guess, as a tax-free exchange of stock. In other words, we assessed the value to the stock for Jack Nadell International, and they had a listed stock, and uh, we exchanged a like amount. And it seemed like an unbelievable amount of money at the time. So the temptation was great. Uh, when we were negotiating, they also wanted to buy the building. Well, I had established a separate real estate company uh, because that's, that's the, it was the simplest way to handle it. And I had to separate it from my regular business. Uh, so they wanted to buy the company, the, uh, the quarters as well. And I said, no, I'd rather keep that. Well, finally, they said they would. I said, okay, you can buy it, but it's not for stock. It would have to be for cash. So we get an appraiser. 
and get a value out of the building, and they would pay me cash for that. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that's the deal that was made. Now, why negotiate, never negotiate out of fear, and never be afraid to walk away from negotiations? Six months later, when I came to sign the deal, they had it written up entirely differently. The company was for stock, but the uh, building, they, would, uh, they wanted to also pay stock for. And I said, no, that has to be cash. Now, interesting in, in uh, uh, real estate, especially if you had a good location, uh, it just keeps increasing in value. So uh, at the end of the day, I would not sell them the, uh, the, uh, the physical facility uh, for a stock. They were unwilling to pay cash. So we made a deal that I kept the property and charged them rent just as I would anybody else. Uh, Fade 50-some, 60 years later. As a matter of fact, I held that property until last year. Oh, just recently. <laughs> That's last year, just a year ago, maybe two years ago. And the, uh, the, the valuation of the property was many, many, many times what uh, I originally paid for it and what they were willing to pay for it. So I collected rent for 60 years and then uh, uh, wound up with the cash anyway. So that's definitely a long-term entrepreneurial uh, adventure there, 60 years of holding, holding a building, making rent. It's a great cash flow and, and obviously shows, so shows you had a, a savvy with uh, real estate at the time as well. So after you <laughs> sold Jack Nadell International, I know, uh, once people have the entrepreneur bug, it is something very hard to shake out. You have it forever. I, I joke that uh, that my wife is doomed to be married to an entrepreneur forever. <laughs> uh, what That's what true. next uh, projects I'm, did you work I'm on? I'm delighted to welcome you into the fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now, let's see. Uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. I, I, I say I didn't work a day in my life. I was having a ball. Even in the midst of these crazy negotiations for the building, I was enjoying it. I realized I enjoyed it. <laughs> I like to negotiate. I like to sell. I like to buy. I like to trade. I liked everything I was doing. So can you, can you share more about what you are doing what what you did next after you sold the business? I know you've you've done quite a bit in the last twenty years. <laughs> well, we expanded we expanded uh, geographically. Uh, another slogan of mine is to think global, but start local. So by by thinking by thinking global, and uh, and incidentally, this entire story is in my book, The Evolution of an Entrepreneur, 
uh, uh, which the first half of the book is a, is more of a business biography, but it goes into more details and we give the reader a very good clue as to how to make these deals successfully. Because uh, I won't say I never had a failure. There, there are some things that didn't work, but I never had a year where I wound up losing money. Now that's that's something most uh, most companies can't can't claim that long track record of a positive history like that. So it's very uh, it's a very admirable uh, feat you were able to pull off. <laughs> I think it's really fun. There are so many things. You see, what was existent before it no longer exists. The country is different. The safety nets are gone. Uh, you can't count on, uh, on, 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 on the union or the company uh, to give you cradle-to-grave security. So you must, you must take care of yourself. Uh, I think this is this should be one of the first uh, adages that you should observe. Take, uh, make sure that you're making good deals for yourself, but at the same time, try to make your deals so that everybody benefits. I think that's the secret, if there is any secret, to whatever success I've enjoyed is I... Every deal I've made, and I've made, I don't know how many, but I am never bothered to count. Uh, but they have really benefited everybody. And when the deal went, went sour, either, either I got off it or, or, uh, or, or changed it. Uh, in other words, there's certain things that you line, that you learn in business school that have become obsolete over the years. And you've got to understand that you're in a changing economy. Everything changes and it changes constantly. Let me answer your first question. What did I go into? I went into many different products because we offered an array of thousands of products that were available. But where I actually took a proprietary interest is I, I, I love the, uh, the ballpoint pen business. And uh, I, after having a certain amount of success as a distributor, I became a manufacturer and bought a factory uh, in New York. And that became uh, a very uh, important factor in the export business because that's where so much of my strength and training had come from. So we sold pens all over Europe. And uh, we started out with a, a bunch of name brand pens like Schaefer, Papermate. Uh, but uh, uh, after a while, after a great deal of success at that, uh, I suddenly realized I needed my own brand. That's what I felt was a need. So uh, uh, since at that point we were manufacturing these pens in France, 
I wanted to find a well-known French designer that I could put the, uh, the name to and get a superior product. And I did eventually make a deal with Pierre Cardin. And for years, uh, uh, we were a licensee of, of Pierre. So when, after you, I know in the, in the last couple of years, you've, uh, you've written several books. How did you come up with the idea to jump into writing? Well, I have, um, uh, I, I've always felt that business is something that should be shared, that we all benefit. If I give you uh, a dollar and you give me a dollar, we each have one dollar. If I give you an idea and you give me an idea, we each have two ideas. So the, the, the uh, uh, passing it along to me became more and more important, uh, particularly as we became more successful. Uh, we kept opening up new offices till today. There are 25 offices around the world. And we started with one account executive, and now we have 120 account executives. And I had decided my own personal plan that I wanted to retire at 70, which seems like a long time ago now, <laughs> but to you must seem a long ways away. <laughs> uh, and, but uh, the idea was I, I never really wanted to just stop doing everything. I wanted to do things that I enjoyed doing on my own schedule. So at 70, I turned the reins uh, over to my brother, Marty, or long before that, because we had other operation too. And now the company is 62 years old. It has had three chief executive officers. Myself, my kid brother, and my nephew. Now, so it's it's a it's been a family-oriented business. Uh, everybody that works there, even today, feels to me like part of my uh, extended family. So uh, we 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 took advantage of the fact of, of the um, tremendous increase and ability to communicate and to, and to send merchandise across vast distances and uh, having offices in different areas of the world has helped us in coordinating uh, really uh, wonderful concepts for major, uh, uh, major clients such as Apple and uh, Facebook and, uh, and of course, uh, a lot of the older companies as well. So, uh, we've been, we've been, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a, a bug of mine that I wanted to teach. I wanted that, uh, that I've had a great time, that I've made more money than I'm going to spend and that I'm going to pass on as much knowledge as I can, because there's an overall idea here that is the healthiest thing 
for the United States of America to have a strong economy and, in my opinion, one of the healthiest parts of that economy should be the participation of entrepreneurs because we, the entrepreneurs, are really responsible for most of the new and usable and, and uh, uh, merchandise that, that appears uh, all over the world now. So uh, we've, uh, uh, I wanted to educate people, so I started to write books and I've written seven books since then uh, and six business books and one novel. And uh, I've also given webinars. I've also done uh, learning processes for veterans, which I feel very strongly about, uh, as I am a veteran and I, and I uh, uh, did come through World War II, but the, uh, we're getting fewer and fewer. So. What I know, I know, and what I can pass on, I can pass on in this manner much better than I can if I just try and do it person to person. So everyone, if you are interested in, uh, in reading any of Jack's books, they'll be in the show notes linked on this page. Go to personalprofitability.com slash episode 16, spelled out E-P-I-S-O-D-E, then the number one six. You'll have a link to... Jack's most recent book, Evolution of an Entrepreneur, and his Amazon profile, where you can pick up any of his books. There, I've read some of them. They're really a tremendous value, tons of knowledge in there, and that's based on you know ninety years of life experience and seventy years of business experience. So there's there's a lot of great information in there, and um, you know, I'd I'd love for for you to pick it up and, and learn what Jack has has to say to all of us. Uh, before we go, I, I have a couple other questions. One, um, I, I know you've gone beyond the printed word, and you are probably the the most tech savvy person over ninety in uh, in North America. Could you share a little bit about what you're doing online now and, and taking advantage of the the internet to spread the word? Thank you, Eric. Uh, I first of all, I, I did construct, I think, a very valuable website. It not only tells me, it tells about business conditions, it tells about opportunities, and it shows what, what, what uh, has been done. Our website is jacknadell.com. And in it, I've got a very complete stories and interviews like this one. And as a matter of fact, the recent, most recent one was last week uh, with Forbes magazine. So very fortunate, my ideas have caught on. They've been profitable. I have had a whole group of young people who I have been mentoring and, and successfully uh, as a result of, uh, of, uh, of what I've been doing. There was an organization uh, that has picked up uh, on it uh, uh, called Thrive 15. 
And I love their idea because it's also mine that that today's education has to be snappier, more attractive, more fun, and and faster. In other words, more at our convenience. People are getting used to being educated online and and on demand. Uh, so I may not have time at three o'clock this afternoon, but I know I'll have time at three o'clock this morning <laughs> if I happen to be up and I want to look at any of the material. And their idea is that there's a series of mentors and uh, they have a, a website uh, that, that I think is very attractive. Um, and it's uh, Thrive 15. All the information, incidentally, is put on 15-minute videos so that uh, uh, it, it's the easiest uh, form of communication. And I think the most penetrating intellectually that we have. So we, we, we're using that. Uh, so th there's a lot of uh, activity. I also... I uh, have been teaching on and off in school, although that's 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 dropped off somewhat. Last year, I was fortunate enough to receive the uh, uh, the very first uh, lifetime uh, entrepreneurial award uh, from the Santa Barbara City College, which is rated the number one community college in the nation. So I've been I've been. I've been quite busy. I have not. I have rejected all offers to to uh, uh, to to uh, have personal clients because I, I just haven't got the time and the steam. At ninety-one, I can do anything I did before. Only I've got to do it slower, and it takes longer, and I need a nap in between. I think I think that might be the trick to uh, to long life. I'm noticing. You know, stay busy, stay active, keep doing what you love, and uh, and, and if you're making a few bucks while doing it, it's a, it's a win for everybody. <laughs> yes, it is, and uh, uh, I, I never exclude making a few bucks, uh, but it's not my driving. You know, as you grow, you get different driving points, things that push you things that make you do what you do, that you have to do. It isn't, it isn't like I have a choice. I really, I really, I really thoroughly enjoy it. I could look back and I have so many friends around the world and so much experience and I've enjoyed so many good times. I got to tell you just one story before we close it out. It's a quickie. <laughs> and, and that's the, uh, I used to work very hard, and I had no idea what hours were about uh, because I, I just enjoyed doing it, and, and that was it. And a very good friend who said to me, why are you working so hard? My God, I can't make a date with you on a weekend anymore. You're always busy. And I said, well, I'm doing it because at this age, I can do it. I don't know what I can do when I get older. I know I won't have the earning power I have now. Uh, although I'm not doing badly. Uh, 
the, the but but I uh, what I found is as more and more friends have uh, have had problems economically and they had to choose between medicine and food and and make these terrible terrible choices that should not happen in the United States. I I just feel that. The more we know, the better off we are, the better equipped we are, the more I can share, not from theory, I have no theories, but from practical knowledge and from practical experience and from from actual results. So I just hope some of this uh, passes on. And, you know, Eric, uh, since you're my grandson-in-law, the... the wires are always open to you. Well, thank you so much. Everyone, if you want to learn more about Jack and his projects, you can go to jacknadell.com or personalprofitability.com slash episode 16. You'll find links to his books and all everything else we talked about today. Uh, I want to share one more tidbit before we go. You know, Jack Nadell has been successful in business, but he's also been very successful in his love life. He has been lucky enough to find two loves of his life, not just one. His first wife being my my wife's grandmother, Eleanor, and his current wife, Julie Nadell. They've just recently passed 10 years together. And Julie has been a successful entrepreneur in her own right. She's run catering businesses and event planning businesses and planned an absolutely amazing 90th birthday party for Jack just uh, just over a year ago, which coincidentally is also the day that I proposed to my wife. So an extra special little memory in my heart. So thank you everyone for listening to the end. If you haven't already, please just take a quick moment, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast listening platform of your choice. And until next time, stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend.